The Retro Lounge is a look back into the archives of the Recruiters Lounge podcast with Jim Stroud and Karen Matinen. The Recruiters Lounge podcast posted weekly between the years of 2005 and 2010. With energy, wit, and opposite points of view, <laughs> Jim Stroud and Karen Madden discussed, debated, and squabbled like children over HR issues that affected the workplace and society overall for the benefit of all who would listen. This episode of the Recruiter's Lounge originally aired August 24th, 2009. The original title was this, Podcast, Socialism, the Recession, and Recruiting in Canada. And this was the original description. Uh, in episode 130, Jim Stroud, Karen Matten, and special guest Jeff Webb discuss socialism, the recession, and recruiting in Canada. Plus, what is the Boolean dance, and what does it have to do with RecruitFest? Tune in to find out all this and more in another action-packed episode of the Recruiters Lounge podcast. Find out what was said way back on August 24th, 2009, after this word from my sponsor. Do you love four-letter words? Who doesn't? And then you mix recruiting news and insights in with those four-letter words. I'm Cheese. And I'm Chad. And we are the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Tune in wherever you listen to podcasts. We, we out. out. This podcast is sponsored by Superpass, the go-to software for out-the-box content websites and mobile apps. With the Superpass platform, you can create your own branded website and native mobile apps to host your digital content, subscribers, and more. Do you have quality content that you want to share with the world in a beautiful and intuitive site? If so, then Superpass can provide the tech solution for you. Hold all your digital content in one place, your brand, your way. Check out Superpass.app. That's S-U-P-A-P-A-S-S dot app. Hi, I'm Jim Stroud. And this is Karen Matten, and, and welcome to the Recruiter's Lounge. The Recruiter's Lounge is a podcast of news, interviews, and commentary on the recruiting industry. And it was designed with you in mind. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your time in the Recruiter's Lounge. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. Welcome to another exciting, action-packed, suspense-filled episode of The Recruiter's Lounge. This is your host with the most, Jim Stroud, and with me, as always, my faithful West Indian companion, Karen Madden. How are you, Karen? Yeah, that's what I thought. And next to Karen, we have a new guest. Um, well, uh, yeah, I guess he's sort of new to the lounge, uh, Jeff Webb. Jeff, are you new to the lounge? This is your first time in the lounge, isn't it? This is my first time in the lounge, unless you count, you know, the videos that you that you have shot in the past of the back of my head. <laughs> so true, so true. Well, um, Karen is in a hissy fit, as 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 always, as people <laughs> do this podcast now, nothing different or new there. So... Uh, because we're on a time constraint this time, I know people don't. Oh. Believe, I know people don't believe that we we try to stick to a a certain format. Uh, certainly, Karen doesn't believe it, but we we want to try to enforce that uh, more so in this episode. Power is within him. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, the topic of the day is the recession, and I want to quote a couple of lines from this article that I read. It was in USA Today. You actually read something? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. The article is, this is the title. Indicator suggests recession is ending, but jobless claims rise. And it's, it's, it's from USA Today. And first, a couple of things I highlighted here. Let me see here. 
says economists have forecasts of rise of 0.7% uh, in unemployment after the initially reported 0.7 increase in June. Indicators suggest that recession is bottoming out and that the economic activity will likely begin recovering soon. But if that's the case, why are jobless claims still rising up? I'm curious as to what Jeff would think about this, since he is a Canadian. Sort well, of a, I'd like to know, what, what's the situation of climate also in Canada compared to that of America? Yeah. It's, inter- it's interesting. I mean, you know, they, obviously we weren't as deeply impacted by the recession as, as the, the American economy was. You said you were not? No. Our financial institutions have always been much more conservative. Um, you I mean, know, regulation actually works? Yeah, it does. You're right. It's it's crazy, I know. but I mean, hard to believe, isn't it? <laughs> we have, I mean, we didn't go for the subprime stuff, right? We didn't do any of the subprime lending in Canada. It just doesn't exist. It wasn't allowed. So, you know, we, we weren't hit as hard. It was interesting, though, that that article came out today and, and about... I think a month and a half to two months ago, the Bank of Canada said the, the, the recession is officially over in Canada. I find it all very interesting, the entire sort of media reporting of this stuff, because, you know, frankly, it was incredible. The Bank of Canada put out a press release, and it got covered by all the news uh, carriers, that the recession's over. And people said, okay, well, I'll open up my wallets now, and I'll start spending. And that's when my recruiting friends, you know, in the world of recruiting up here in Canada, all start to get hired again and call me about searches. And, you know, we're, we're trying to hire people and this kind of floodgates opened. But really all it took was, you know, some media reports by some unknown governor at the Bank of Canada saying, that's it, folks, we're done. Hmm. And, and it just sort of opened up. So I'm I'm hoping that the same sort of effect will be seen. I, you know, I kind of think recessions are a big psychological experiment. People don't. People believe that they're in recession, and therefore they get worried. They don't spend. That spending, you know, that lack of spending actually causes the recession. But I'm I'm a socialist, as you may have seen on RBC. So. Yeah, I know. You're actually you and I actually got in the conversation because of our similar beliefs, right? Yes. I mean, sure. can I bring something to that though? In that aspect, in regards to your country, how will first up? Where did your unemployment go? Uh, we didn't get much higher than 7%, I think, across the board. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's now dropping again to, you know, probably it's going to be about, uh, I think it's going to be about 6 or 5.5% this this month. And then it'll, they they are forecasting by the end of, uh, by the middle of 2010 to be in a full, full-scale recovery with, you know, lots of jobs being added to the economy. So, What's the average um, unemployment number there on a, on a good economy there in Canada? Uh, Probably about 3%, 3%, 3 2 or 3%, yeah. And what would, be, would you say the wages would be in reflection to inflation? Uh, you know, I, that's a good question. I don't know, per se. I mean, in terms of, um, you know, I yeah, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not sure in terms of, the, you know, as against inflation. But, um, you know, again, Canada is much more conservative financially. I mean, you'll find this from a recruiting standpoint as well. If you try and recruit in Canada you're often up against a very conservative mindset. And so, um, so although we are a, a social, the social, uh, social democracy, we, we do have a lot of kind of cons- very conservative ideals around, at least around finances. And I think in a lot of ways that that was what helped maintain a consistency because French, the French also, and as well as China, have somewhat of a social democracy as well. And that sounds strange hearing that from about, said about China recently. 
But China and France are also stating that they themselves are also coming out of the great out of this Great Depression as slash recession. I've been hearing that too as well. I've been hearing that it's, it's over um, um, in, in several other countries around the world, but the United States is the slowest to get and out of it, or to, we have the, the the sluggish, the most sluggish signs of recovery. Yes, and that's what's interesting. If we look about, he brought up the conversation regarding the, the social democracy. This is not political. This is just the aspect of uh, at healthcare. <laughs> Interesting yeah. enough, many of the countries that have come out actually have more of that kind of mentality. It's kind of interesting. I think what FDR kind of wrote about that he when he said, "The test of our progress is not if we add more abundance to those who have much; it is if we provide enough for those who have too little." Which means he was talking about jobs. I don't know. What do you think about that, Jeff? I mean, do you think that that's what helps create more jobs? I think so. I mean, you know, people, people will. Well, I'm of two minds there. I mean, I, I, certainly the government has a role that it can play in job creation. I mean, but you know, honestly, the on, the onus is on the private sector mm-hmm. to do a lot of that job creation as well. But they can certainly be supported through legislation. Um, it's like a quasi-Keynesian philosophy, but it's not exactly Keynesian. I don't, I'm not a big ph- proponent of spend your way out of a recession because I think that Absolutely. ends up putting you in trouble later on. Um, but you can certainly incite, entice people. And again, I think that you know a lot of economics is, is a lot about psychology. Um, if you believe that you are in a good situation, then you are more likely to take risk. And if you believe that you're in a bad situation, then you're going to hold your money close to you, and, and that causes a problem. Now, you said if we're more likely to take risk. Is Now, there's good risk and there's bad risk because, I mean, sure. obviously we took a lot of bad risk as a country here in Cal- in America in regards to the financial sector, and that is one of the reasons why, the you know, the world pretty much blames America for the recession, unfortunately. Yeah, and, you know, and I don't think, I mean, you know, Jim, to your point in saying that, you know, America is, you know, slug- more sluggish to, to recover, uh, honestly, I mean, it's kind of like being at the epicenter of an earthquake, right? I mean, if you're mm-hmm. right at the center of the earthquake and you get the the brunt of it, then yeah, you're going to take a lot longer to rebuild. It's you know, it's it's pretty simple. It's, it's, I think it's as simple as that. Um, and you know, in Canada, again, you know, regulation certainly did protect us at this at this time. Um, you know, sub and actually in, 19, in the 30s too. Yes. True. In the 30s, regulation also because I mean that was when we got a lot of regulation reform was back in the 30s in America. Hey Jeff, I have a question too. Um, how did the the recession in Open Canada? How did it affect entrepreneurialism? I mean, That's did you find I like people? That yeah, do you have people have start more businesses um, during this time, or did you yeah, see I think, them? I think probably that's. I mean, that's and that's typically what happens, right? But I think that probably did happen. That we'll see a lot more small to medium-sized businesses that will open up because people simply couldn't find a job. They had to do something for money, so they decided to go out on their own. Can I ask you another question in regards to that? There's a kind of a myth about owning a business in countries like, you know, Europe and and Canada, et cetera. What is it like to start a business? Is it more difficult to to start a business in Canada than, say, America? And does what person have control over what they say and do within their own employees and a lot more? ways than we do, let's say, than other countries, or is it similar to that of America? Well, I mean, I don't. I think to answer that question, it's always a hard thing to start a business. I don't think it's any harder or less hard depending on your geography. I think it's 
harder or less hard depending on your your work ethic and what kind of idea you have and whether or not you're ready to market yourself and but in terms of getting that support I, I can only comment on you know the ca- Canadian economy and particularly in Toronto there's a lot of things that are provided to small business order- owners um, mm-hmm. I have a friend actually who started a a, a children's clothing shop uh, um her her website is fancypantskids.ca she's going to love that I said that <laughs> um, everyone rent the shop now run to the website right now that's right that's right and so um hey you know I I bought one of your shirts Jim so I know how to buy them <laughs> um and so uh and so she started and she said that it was amazing the amount of support that she got she got small business advisors um she got to take training on setting up your business plan um she's being supported by the federal government for her first year of business really? they're paying they're paying sort of her a wage to get her business started really um, she's getting uh she's gotten a lot of financing from the banks but that's kind of a double edged sword because you know, you got a lot of financing, but then you owe a lot of money. So unless you're yeah, what, what kind of I was, I was going to ask you what kind of um, finance rate? I mean, what kind of rate was she getting on the interest rate? Was she getting? I, I think it's prime, so it's usually you know about six percent. Okay. That's your prime is six percent. Yes. They, okay. I mean, I hope people are listening to this. I mean, I have another question, and this is the big one. That this is the big elephant in the room. But how much ownership does she have of her own company, or does the government own it? No, she owns it hundred percent. Thank you. The government just provides her with support, and then, you know, they're hoping that that's money invested in the economy. And so they're not going to come in there and try to go ahead and say, we own your company and tell you what to do, right? No, not at See, all. See, that's the belief that many have in regards to social systems. Unfortunately, that is, I wanted to put some fear to rest, and I'm grateful that you were able to do so. Yeah. Interesting. So, okay, now I've been told we must go non-political. So going back into the, I've been gotten this little instant message that said no political here. Okay, <laughs> so this, but I don't know if this was political if we're discussing different beliefs. But anyways, there is a thing I'd like to talk about. There's a gentleman named Nuriel Rubini. Nuriel Rubini is the guy who is called basically the angel of death or gloom in regards to the. Um, the the recession. He was considered to be the individual who actually foresaw this. He says that when we should stop asking when the recession will end because growth will be below the potential for many, many years to come. And this is kind of like what happened with the Great Depression. Jim, I think you also read, as you said, about the jobless and wageless recovery. We don't have a lot of jobs. The wages are down and things are looking pretty bad. So how can we say that there's this major, you know, recession is coming to an end. I think the main issue is that we have in America right now in the world, personally, is that we keep forgetting that we can't look at just the one simple thing. Okay, let's just look at jobs or just look at wages. We have to look at the whole big picture. But yet, we could see more. Jo- we can see more opportunities of. Okay, what's the word I'm looking here? Is that we're seeing that less people are being fired. And maybe not getting new job creation, but we're having a lot less people fired. What would you say also in Canada we're seeing some similarities on that? And before you even answer that, Jeff, let me, let me parenthetically throw something in. Less people being fired, but, are you, but would you also consider um, people taking on more work than they normally would? Yes. I mean, are, you getting pay, are you finding people getting paid for more work? Yes, yeah, no work free, but, still, but the same salary. And less yeah. pay. I mean, I think that happens across the board. I mean, and, and you know, part of it is that uh, employers, 
part of it is that employers use this recession as an excuse to to save money, right? Right. I mean, you know, let's we'll be honest here. Corporations are in the business of making money. That's what they're here for, right? So I think that some employers certainly looked at the recession and said, okay, this is an excuse for me to right size or downsize and to load up other people, um, who, you know, who will now be scared and won't won't have any place to go. Do I think that's the right approach? Probably, you know, not. Um, I think you, the right approach is to treat your employees fairly, mm-hmm. um, to you know, right size if you have to, because maybe your business has has been affected. Mm-hmm. But you know, certainly to to try and be in a better position when the recession comes out and growth when we come out of the recession and growth is is starting. So, you know, um, I've known the uh, well, I can I can probably say it, the company that I currently work for, who will remain unnamed because we don't name company names. Um, but you can look it up on my LinkedIn profile, um, certainly did a good job of ensuring that, that we were ready for growth, that, that, we, had a, that we had a strategy to, to hire, during the, hire the right kind of people during the recession while they were available, um, and so that when, we, when, when the recession was over and growth uh, started again, uh, we were going to be in a good position talent-wise um, to kind of go into the next phase. A lot of companies are like that down there, or would I mean, or would you say that a lot of companies are tend to be more on trying to, like you say, wait, okay, are there like a lot more companies down there who are employee friendly than non employee friendly? I, I, it's hard to say. Um, my gut feeling is saying probably not. Um, you know, most companies, I think, again, look at it as sort of a well, we can cut costs, and that's a that's wow. a great thing to do right now. So it's pretty much similar across the board, then. Yeah, I would think so. So, Jeff, well, let's, so, let's make sure I'm understanding right, because maybe I missed something here. But so companies there over there in Canada, they're not concerned about when things are going great that that their employees are going to leave because, in their minds, they've treated their employees really, really great, so they won't want to leave when it becomes a. Uh, uh, no, I, I think that they're saying what they're saying is now is that the, you know now that it's a now that it is a recession. You know, we don't have to worry about it. If we, we if we pile people work onto people, they're not going to go anywhere because you know there's no job for them to go. Good point. To. Good point. Um, so I think that's their philosophy. I just don't agree with that philosophy. I, I think it's probably not the the correct way to think about it. If I you know, Deloitte that. made a really good research major on this. Um, they they were they investigated several companies across the nation. Actually, I think it was global. And they were looking at how companies who instituted, you know, basic work family programs that try to maintain retention, for almost every dollar that they spend, they saved about three dollars in the, in regards to the company reta- employee retention. We employees were healthier, happier, more effective, and so they found that they actually even made more in doing. So I agree with you completely, Jeff. Yeah, I mean, I just I think it's probably the it's short-sighted during a recession to say, you know, we we can get rid of our we can get rid of a sizable amount of our workforce, reduce our costs, pile of work onto you know people who aren't going to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I can guarantee you that when the jobs are plentiful and people are looking again and recruiters are calling them, guess what they're going to say? They're going to say, yeah, you know, I this is, this company has no loyalty to me. That was pretty clear. So I'm going to talk to you. I agree with that. I really believe that, you know, people. there's a lot of people out there, recruiters especially, who feel that candidates have short-term memories. But I don't believe that. 
I do believe that when the economy starts getting more plateauing and leveling out, there's a lot of recruiters who are going to remember some of the comments, all the comments they saw and the behavior and treatment that they saw whilst they were looking for a job and were hungry and desperate. Oh, for sure. And, in fact, I wrote a, a blog post about that on, on recruiting blogs. I kind of uh, – I said that, you know, I said as recruiters, we've, we are often, you know, uh, we are often the first line of uh, – the first line of layoffs or maybe even the second line of layoffs during a recession because, you know, companies stop hiring, they get rid of us, and they say, you know, so long, see you later, and then, you know, you you don't work for I don't know how many months. Uh, well, one of my good friends was out of work for probably, I think, six or seven months. Is that a long uh, time in Canada? Well, this this person was actually located in Seattle. but Okay. Um, but, you know, that's still a long time period, right? It, that's when it gets to the point where you almost start to think you have to sell your house to pay your bills. Well, they say there's an average saying in America. Sorry, Jim, I'm overriding on you, but there's an average saying in America that for every ten thousand you want, there should be a month of you should be out of work. Sure, absolutely. an average. Right, and so so you can see how fast that money could could end up. But my point is is that you know we as recruiters don't spend a lot of time talking to each other. I mean, some of us do, mm-hmm. um, but the majority of recruiters, I would say, are are not are not really, you know, not really involved with the community. They kind of, they're lone wolves. They're out doing their own thing. Um, and I think we need to bring them together, uh, bring people or have, provide more opportunities for people to get together, to talk about, you know, uh, to help each other, to um, to talk about those clients that are terrible, um, to talk about those companies that are good to work for uh, and those that are, you know, okay or maybe not so good. Um, you know, I'm not talking about unionization here. I'm just talking about cooperation, you know, uh, making sure that we, we open up the dialogue between recruiters because we're, it seems to me, and, and, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, that, that, we, that, rec- that the recruiting industry is not a very trustful one or th- that we don't trust each other. <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know. Did you think that that reputation may be well-deserved at times, though? Well, maybe, and, and, but but every industry has bad apples, right? I mean, like you know. Yeah, that, that's what I was going. That's, that's what I was sort of chuckling at because when you said that, I was thinking about certain individuals, but uh, just like any, I mean, just like used car salesmen have a bad reputation, but there there's some really pretty decent and upstanding um, car salesmen that who th- are not trying to rip you off. So, like, there's some really great recruiters out there who really genuinely care about the people. I agree uh, with in general, but. Uh, I- I agree with that. I mean, I'm not one to say that there's um, uh, uh, not good, strong, ethical recruiters in our industry, but in the aspect of there's like a very low barrier of entry in this industry with a lot of money. And as my husband would say, in America, you could get a man killed for 500 bucks, get the job done well for 1500 Can you imagine what people will do for $15,000? No, but I think we need to, you know, I think there's an opportunity for... For I mean, how will you know who's good to work with unless you actually get to know people? You know how how will you know who's good to do as if you're a third party recruiter? How do you know who's who's a good person to do splits with unless you're actually involved in a community and you hear about who's good to do splits with? There's I mean yeah, but then there's also I know people who can work really well with some recruiters, but that same recruiter can turn around and just also work really badly with another and do some unethical behavior. So. I don't 
know. I mean, I'm still nerve It's. I think it just comes down to having to take the time to actually get to know the person yourself. Because I'm a little nervous I've been about hearsay in this industry, which brings us back to what we were talking about. There are many in our industry who will scratch another individual's back, say how great that person is, but then turn around and call another person up and say how disgusting that their their service was or how awful their product was or how bad their training was. But yet I've seen them go ahead and say, oh, you want best training, try this individual. So, I mean, there's a lot, even with that, I've seen some really unethical behavior amongst our own peers. Yeah, that's probably true. But again, you know, we, we wouldn't know that unless we were all talking to each other, right? Um, and, you know, and this is probably the time I'm going to make my little plug for Recruit Fest, but, you know, it's one of the reasons why we put Recruit Fest on every year because we want to take those online relationships mm-hmm. offline. We want to give people an opportunity to meet with, you know, all of their peers in the recruiting industry for a day and a half and talk about things that are important to them. Uh, you know, people make money, uh, have made money off of, off of that, off of this conference. Yeah, go go a little bit more deeper into that, if you would. What are how can people find out more about Recruit Fest and 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 all that good stuff? Well, I mean, you can talk, you can find out about us on on. Uh, well, we're all over the place, but you can find out about us primarily at uh, www.recruitfest.com, mm-hmm. um, and that's our website. Uh, you can uh, you can feel free to check out the website. You can find us on Facebook. We have a fan page on Facebook, um, and you can follow us on Twitter by the following the hashtag RecruitFest09. So you'll see lots of chatter about us on on Twitter, but you know it's it's a it's an interesting it's a great format. Um, I can speak for myself. You know, I met I met uh, Julia Stone last year at Recruit Fest again. I met her at SourceCon as well. Um, I met uh, Jason Davis last year at Recruit Fest. Jerry Albright. These are some of the people that I've done business with over the last year, and so and I only do business with them because I know them. I know mm-hmm. them personally. I've met them. And you know, and same with SourceCon. You know, I, I I do a lot of work with sourcers who I've met at SourceCon and actually sat down, had a drink with, and argued about whether or not Boolean strings work or not. <laughs> um, you know, the funny thing is about Boolean strings because one thing I've, I've I've noticed across the web uh, is this phenomenon. I think I call it that the Boolean dance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I've seen um, uh, one of my good friends, uh, Marie Journey, uh, do the dance, and and I've seen I've heard a karaoke of it. Uh, from another person, uh, Miranda Henshaw, and, and it's um, it's sort of funny how it's spreading, how people are trying to do that Boolean dance. I'm, wa- I'm waiting for uh, a moment when I'm turn- flipping the channel and Soul Train comes on, and people are doing the Boolean dance on Soul Train. That's what I'm waiting to see next. That would be interesting. We'll be doing the Boolean dance at Recruit Fest. Jenny Devon and uh, Marie Journey will be doing it at Recruit Fest, and, and they've asked whether or not I want to do it, and I said, well, okay, but... You know, I have to be able to wear my sorcerer, and I'm proud of it shirt if I'm doing <laughs> Well, we'll get one um, uh, created just for you, sir. <laughs> well, I've already got one. It's, I've, I've got oh, it. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's right. That's right. Okay. 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 Cool. 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 Well, look, we're um, getting close to our time. Um, Jeff, thank you so much for your time here in Recruiter's Lounge. It's your first time, but hopefully will not be your last. No, I'd, I'd, I'd be happy to come back anytime you guys want to chat. This has been fun. I really quite enjoyed this, too. Hey, Jim, he actually believes in what I believe in. For once, I had someone who just was, like, on the right page, bro. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever. All right. <laughs> Until next time. <laughs>
Let's all say goodbye in harmony on three. One, two, three. Goodbye. Well, that's the end of our show. And as always, you've been a very great audience. If you like what you heard, love what you heard, or simply hate what you just heard, uh, please let us know. You can reach me, Jim Stroud, at jim at therecruiterslounge.com or karen at therecruiterslounge.com. Also, if you would, please uh, subscribe to us by iTunes or just subscribe to the site, uh, of course, therecruiterslounge.com. The theme song of the Recruiter's Lounge is courtesy of Brain Bucket and the Podsafe Music Network. Find them online at music.podshow.com. And so this ends this edition of the Retro Lounge, home of classic episodes of the Recruiter's Lounge podcast. If you haven't already, uh, subscribe now so you don't miss a future episode. Okay, cool. Until next time, bye-bye. Ever heard of Stoicism? Chances are, if you have, you've heard of Stoicism with a lowercase s and not Stoicism with an uppercase s. Lone wolves, no emotions, antisocial behavior, cold, indifference, all that is Stoicism with a lowercase s. Stoicism with an uppercase s is the ancient Greek philosophy and virtue ethics framework that centers on service to the cosmopolis, to include your family, friends, community, and planet, and the development of a good moral character. My name is Tanner Campbell, and I'm the host of Practical Stoicism, a three-times-a-week podcast teaching Stoic principles and concepts to anyone interested through the exploration of texts and deep dives into various moral topics. You can find Practical Stoicism where you're already listening to podcasts by searching for Practical Stoicism or by going to stoicismpod.com. I invite you to give it a listen today. You just might like it.